thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. So we are continuing with our series that we've just called Christmas at Faith, and that's what we're doing this month. And we're actually looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of Luke. Now, I don't know if you know a lot about Luke. I know Pastor George shared some last week about that, but Luke was a doctor. He was sharp. Details mattered to him. Uh, most people would say, will say that Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but actually it's not true. Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament, but Luke wrote the most words. He wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. And so Luke wrote 37,000 words. Paul wrote 32,000 words. So Luke has had a major impact on our journey and our faith. And so when we read this today, I, I just pray that you would open your heart and let God speak to you. What I love about Luke is through the ages, he was called Luke the evangelist. He loved telling people about Jesus. It just came out of him. He, 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 just, he had this love for people, and you see it in his different ministries. And actually, one time when he was in Greece, he, was, he began to preach that Jesus was the only way. He began to declare that Jesus was the light of the world. He began to, began to declare that Jesus was the, is the a superior God to any other God in the Greek culture. And he was persecuted, and he was hung, and he died. And so the words that we read today didn't come to us for free. They didn't come but some, some author that sat in a library and pinned the letters and sold books and, and, and they were distant from the dangers. This man, Luke, which we're going to read today, he paid the price for the words that we have today with his life. And therefore, it's another reason for us to listen up and to shape our hearts to what we hear today. May it, may it change us, may it alter us. And so today we're going to read from the account when Luke wrote, when an angel appeared to Mary, a teenager, a virgin girl, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, and God sent an angel, Gabriel, and began to say something to her that I believe is the main point of this whole passage we're looking at, and it's, and it's something that resonates in the hearts of every person in this room, and it's this simple phrase, he told Mary, do not be afraid. Can you say that with me? Do not be afraid. This is a big deal in our day and age because fear grips all of us in, in many areas of our lives. We can be Christians and look good and have all the, the right answers, but deep in this heart of many of our guts is this fear about what if, what will happen. And most of the time when we talk about fear, it, it's connected to the fear of flying, which really it's not fear of flying, it's the fear of crashing. That's really the main fear there. <laughs> the, fear, the fear of dying, the fear of, for nowadays, the fear of clowns somehow seems to be going crazy now. The fear of spiders. That's usually when you hear fear. Like, I'm freaked out when I, when, when I think about this or I encounter this. Or the other side, let's just be real today, the fear of what if I lose my job? The fear of what if I, what if I never get married? Or the fear of um, what if the economy tanks and falls apart? Or what if I get sick? Or what, what, if my, what if I raise my kids in the way they're supposed to go? And they make wrong choices and they get derailed along the way. What if? And we're, we are crippled 
by fear. One of the, one of the fears that I had actually when we were in the Philippines, I started thinking, I wonder if, if North Korea decides to, I wonder if we're ever going to get home. That actually is what, what, what I thought. And our kids are back here, you know, anyway. It, it's just, you begin, and I'm telling you what, man, if you, can, if you will allow yourself to just keep spinning this thought over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, all of a sudden you're like, it's going to happen. It's totally going to happen. But this is fear. Fear goes on and on and on and on. And there are healthy fears, like, like you know, if you're walking near a ledge, like, don't be, be careful or you're going to fall off. There's the fear of God, which is not, the fear doesn't mean be afraid of God. The fear is you respect and you honor God. There's, there's healthy fears in life. I, 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 don't want, I don't want sin in my life, and I reject this sin in my life. There are healthy fears or resistance to things that we don't want in our life. Actually, my wife sometimes can, can run the worst-case scenario in some of these fears. And I, don't worry, I asked her permission to tell the story. So, um, one day, actually it was one season in our life, we, we decided her and I needed to get away. So we got away to a beach and we were hanging out, just her and I, kids were at home and we were just enjoying a few days to ourselves. And, and so we're on the beach and, and so just like any good couple, when, when you're alone, when you get the time alone as a couple and you're on the beach hanging out, what we did is we had an argument. That's what you do. <laughs> Because now it's your time to work out all the issues because the kids aren't around. Anyway, so we had a little bit of a, a discussion is what we would call. We had a discussion. And, uh, and so we were talking through it. And we kind of resolved it. And, we, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go snorkeling. What I'm going to do. I, did, I wasn't pouty. I wasn't, I'm going to go snorkeling. I didn't do that. I just, we kind of resolved, I'm going to go snorkeling. So I went out. I was snorkeling. I was out there for a while. But little did I know that, that Cheryl was on, on, as she was looking around, she was trying to find me. So she couldn't find me on the water. And so, and then all of a sudden she starts panicking. She starts fearing. She's like, he's been eaten by a shark. He's dead. How am I going to get his body back? Um, how am I going to tell the kids? Uh, the last words I had with him, we were arguing. Like, that's a great way that, to, you know, that, well, our last words were, you know, snooty with each other. And so she was, she was worried. And so she's panicking and looking all over. She can't see me. And so I come up out of the water, which was further down the beach because I drifted down. And I come up out of the water, and I'm, I like, I'm walking, and, uh, and she sees me. She starts running towards me. It was like slow motion, chariots of fire, you know, like, da-da-da-da. I was like, you know, hold my arms out, whatever, you know. So she runs over. I'm like, <laughs> first I thought, maybe she's still angry. She's tackling me is what she's going to do. So she comes over. She gives me a big hug. She said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And so she had created this whole scenario in her mind that I was dead, that I, you know, she was going to, who's she going to marry, you know, all this. No, she wasn't thinking about that one. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding about that one. And actually, I remember, true story, I remember things. She was hugging me. I'm thinking, man, I ought to go snorkeling more often. This is really nice. <laughs> but sometimes fear can just convince us that our, what we're thinking has happened. And it's totally true. And so we are talking about fear today, but really we're going to be talking about another type of fear, which is actually being afraid of or has to do with the fear of what God has planned for your life. And now it's a little different. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought we actually, we're going to talk about the fear of what God has planned for your life. Because I'll tell you this, if the enemy can't get you to fall into temptation, 
If he can't get you derailed in your life, he will put fear in your heart about what God can and will do in you and through you. And you're going to be freaked out about it. You'll be freaked out about God's plan because deep down inside there's this fear and hesitance to actually embrace it. So maybe the thought is, if I follow God, then what? Or maybe you don't know Jesus today and you think, you know, if I give my life to Jesus, what's going to happen to the life that I've established. And this type of fear is paralyzing, it is crippling, it keeps you from growing, it keeps you from moving forward, it keeps you in a box, it keeps you never being what God has called you to be. It keeps you from finding freedom, it keeps you from discovering purpose, it keeps you from making a difference in this world. This type of fear, being afraid of what God's plans are for your life. And sometimes you can feel God stirring in your heart, and sometimes you know God is leading you to something, but maybe our self-preservation tells us this, you know what, if I don't ask God about it, then maybe I'm not responsible for it. Because, you know, well, maybe, maybe, God, maybe God is, uh, as long as I don't pray about it, I, I'm I'm innocent. As long as I don't ask God, Lord, should I really do this? Then somehow I don't have to give in to it. And sometimes we can interact with God this way. But God, I, I, I want all that you have. I want your blessing. I want your, your favor. God, I want your good things. I want your provision. I want all of that, God. But I want heaven as well, and I want your help. But we can be hesitant to completely give God everything in our lives, because really, in our hearts is a fear that maybe God's plan for us isn't as good as our plan for us. Maybe, maybe what I have mapped out on my five-year plan is better than what God has mapped out. And since I've already put things in order in my life, I can't ask him if I should do something different, even though I feel it, because... I don't want to. Because if we completely surrender everything to him, he, he, might, he might have us give up things that we don't want to give up. We might, he might, we might need to move out of our house that I've been dreaming about this house my whole life. We might have to give up sending my kids to that college that I really, I've already told people I'm sending them to the college. And our identity is more in what our plans are than it is in what God's plan is for us. Or maybe, maybe if I ask God about some of these things he's stirring to me, he'll, he'll make me deal with things in my life that I've ignored for many, many years. He'll make me deal with my broken marriage. He'll make me deal with my broken relationship with my, with my relatives. He'll make me deal with his addiction in my life that, that I've just kind of pushed to the side. I don't want to ask God about it. I don't want to give it up. Or you might ask us to go somewhere, I don't want to go. <laughs> or he might ask you not to go somewhere that you want to go. Or he might ask you, you might be engaged today. And you know deep in your heart that you shouldn't marry him. He might ask you not to marry them. Or God would speak to you and say, listen. Stop entertaining, leaving the marriage. I want you to stay in the marriage. But I, I'm not going to ask God about that because I want to do what I want to do. I want everything else from God, the good things. But if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. There's a fear of what God's plans. 
might be for us. Maybe deep down inside of many of us is a suspicion and a fear that God's ways somehow aren't good enough for us. That our mind is more strategic than his mind. So instead of having complete faith in God's plan for our lives, we can live in fear of God's plan for our lives. Because ultimately, because, what, because I, I've planned things out and we all know that we're all just secret closet control freaks is really what it is. We want it our way. And many people would say the opposite of fear is faith. And for, in, in many ways it is. But I, I actually think fear and faith are related. I think they both have the same definition. And I'll just give it to you real quick. I think this fear is believing that something that hasn't happened will happen. Fear is believing that something that hasn't happened will happen. Worst case scenario. Now let's look at the definition of faith. Faith is believing something that hasn't happened will happen. They're both exactly the same. There's a belief in something that hasn't happened, it will happen. One is trusting in the worst case scenario. One is trusting the goodness of a good God who's made a plan for your life. The Bible says we are to live by faith, but fear can drive us to irrational panic it can paralyze you. And this might be you today. And you might be thinking, Jason, that's me, man. I've got this fear in my life. I'm dealing with things that, that I, I, I don't even know how to, how to process this. And listen, we're all on a journey. So when you come to Christ, you don't arrive. You are on a journey. There's more. There's always more for us. You need to know this promise today that if you're struggling with fear or when you struggle with fear, because we all will, that Psalm 27 is actually true and right when it says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is your promise today. This is our promise today. Fear, fear does not have a place in our lives. Though it may come at times, though it may, we are never to give it permanent, permanent residency up in our spirits. We're to allow faith to be there because we have nothing to fear because the Lord is our salvation, our light, and our stronghold. So why is it that we're afraid of God's plans for us? So we're going to look at this passage and, and figure this out today. And so the first one is this. Why are we afraid is this. God's plans are rarely our plans. God's plans are rarely our plans. Many of us have been living life as normal and then all of a sudden th things come along. God comes along. Situations come along. And they shift where we're going. And it's very hard for us. And that's one thing that many of us do not like, and that is a change of plans or a change of the normal. That's why there's an old church story <laughs> where this, uh, the pastor took over uh, a church. It was more a traditional church and they had a big grand piano that sat in the middle of the stage, always right in the middle of the stage. So he's like, how do, how do I move this piano? And so one day someone got word that he was going to move the piano and they were like, no, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh. Sister, sister so-and-so gave that to us. It's got to stay in the middle. So he always had the preacher around this piano. So he made the decision, I'm going to move it one inch every Sunday. <laughs> we don't like change. We don't, we, we, we don't like the change of plans. This happened actually four years ago with Cheryl and I. We were living in England. We were, we were serving at a church there. And all of a sudden, one day, 
out of the blue, God began to, he dropped something in my heart, and he says, you will be back in faith. It's just what he said. Now, I wasn't looking for that. We, we, we were on the journey. We had gone there. We, and then all of a sudden, God began to direct us back here. That wasn't in our plans. If it was in our plans, we, I guarantee we would have kept some stuff in storage. I guarantee you that. But, we, but God redirected us. And he used that to prepare us for what we're doing now. And that's just the, the beautiful journey of God. God's plans seem incredibly inconvenient at times. Like, wait a minute. I thought we were going this way. I thought this was happening. I thought, I thought Jason was going to do this. I thought all this was going to, I thought my own life. I thought my daughter was going to go here. I thought my son, I thought my retirement was going to be. I thought whatever it may be, change of plans. And we do not like it. So I believe Mary felt the same way about her life. I want to pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 29. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and I'll, I'll just share just a moment about that. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings. I, I love this. Greetings, you who are highly favored. And so this is... I love Mary's response. You see the women's intuition here. The Lord is with you. And then Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In other words, what do you want from me? I, imagine this. She responds. She, an angel appears to her like, angel, greetings to you. You are highly favored of God. And Mary was greatly troubled by that. Here's the backstory of Mary. She's probably a young teenager, young-ish, 14, 15, 16. Don't, don't let that throw you off. Because what we know is that in, in an age, or in that culture, that age is when they would be pledged to marry. They would be engaged. They, would, they, would, they did arranged marriages. And so that's what was happening. So she was probably around this age, which, which was very interesting because she's beginning to think about getting married. She's beginning to dream about what does it mean to be married. You need to understand where she's coming from. She's preparing herself for marriage. She's probably thinking about what it's going to be like. She's talking to her mom about marriage. She's talking to her mom about the reception, make sure we got the, the right food. Does she, you know, what are the bridesmaids' dresses? What are they going to wear? Um, what's my dress? Have we found my dress yet? What, what are we going to eat there? I want to make, sure make sure it's good, and I want to make sure it's better than my cousin Nancy's wedding because, you know. what? No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. I'm joking. But she was processing through all of this. Maybe she was practicing writing her last name as, as a lot of women do. And they write their last name. They're like, that looks totally weird. And they write it again. And it's, it's, it's a change. She's beginning to adapt her heart to what it means to be married. Thinking about what's, what, what's she going to name her children. Am I going to have a boy first? Am I going to have a girl first? And all, out of nowhere, this angel appears to her and changes all of her plans. In the natural, this makes no sense to her. Zero. Like, I, I'm, I'm heading this way. What are you doing here? Now, Mary never shows. We don't ever sense that Mary is showing any, any discontent or anything about what this angel asked her. But what we do know is that she had mapped out her future. She was getting married. 
So what can we learn from this? It's an incredible, important principle that for Mary, even though she was heading a certain direction, the angel kind of interrupted that direction. And what we do know, because we know the, the whole story, is this. When God changes our plans, it means he always says something better. That's what it means. When God changes our plans, he always has something better. So when we feel the inconvenience or what seems like an interruption in our lives, meaning maybe something happens to you that, that you can't change or things are changing and you're beginning to, to, to lean into that change, it means that God has something better for you. And we find this all throughout Scripture. We find it when, when God encountered Peter, who's a fisherman. He was doing just fine on the Sea of Galilee. He was, he was making a living. He was having a good old time. And Jesus interrupted him and called him to something better. You see about Moses. Moses was, was out in the wilderness in an ordinary place. And a burning bush shows up. And God invited him to something better. To lead the Jewish people out of the slavery of Egyptians. He invited him into this journey. Jonah was running from God. He was out on a boat. He was, he was, he was like, I'm out of here, God. I'm not going to do your plans. And God interrupted him. He ended up in the water, swallowed by a fish. The, sp- the fish spit him up on the, on the, on the edge of the, of, of the ocean. And Jonah decided, I think I'll choose your plan, God, and I'll go witness to, to the city. But God interrupted him changed his plans, and invited him to something better. Same with Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians. He was doing his thing, man. He was, he was killing Christians. He was destroying the church. Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and says, Saul, why are you, per- why are you persecuting me? And Jesus transforms his life and invites him to something better. When God changes your plans, it means he has a better plan. It's important for some of us to know that. When God tells you not to marry someone, it's because he has a better someone. When When God just seems to orchestrate the situation where your child can't go to that particular college, it's because God has a better plan than to where they're going to go to college than what you do. Do you trust him or do you not trust him? God's plans are always better than ours. And many times I believe that when God's trying to work his better plan in us, we can pray against his better plan. Why? Because it doesn't line up with our plans, what we put together. Because we want something different. We, we think it should go this way. When God's trying to do something new and different and special in and through our lives, we resist it because it doesn't make sense to us. Many of us are here today because God interrupted us, because God changed our plans. We were living our own life. We were, we were doing our own thing. We, we, were, we were living away and apart from God, and we heard a message about Jesus Christ, and it gripped our hearts, and we gave our lives to him, and he invited us to something better. So the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says, I've got something different for you. Change of plans. And when he says that, the King James says this. The angel tells her this, fear not. But the NIV says this, but the angel of the Lord said to her, do not be afraid. Let's say that together. Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Now remember, Mary has already planned she's going to get married. She's already 
figuring things out. She's already engaged. So possibly in her mind, she was thinking this. Well, God's going to show favor on the direction I'm going. So this must mean, hey, listen, we're going to get some good wedding gifts. This is what this means. His favor is going to be. Really, because when we hear the word favor, we think, God, bless what I'm doing or you bless what I'm about to do. That's what it means. So God says, if he was coming to Jason, I'm going to give favor on you. Well, great. It must mean he's going to give me favor in what I'm doing. Or it may mean he's going to give me favor in a different direction than what I'm, where I'm going. Or she maybe thought, listen, you know, oh, this is great. That, that the honeymoon in Fiji I've been praying about, God's going to give it to Joseph and I. It's going to be wonderful. Or we're going to get the venue that we've been wanting. Or we're going to have, I'm going to have a lot of children. There. Joseph's going to build me that house. I've been begging him to build me. Maybe there's, there's this thought of favor. But what she doesn't realize is this. God's version of favor may be really different than what she's thinking. And that's why the scripture says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting is this? So why are we afraid of God's plans? Well, God's plans are rarely our plans. Another reason why following God can be scary at times is number two, God's plans always require trust. Everyone say always. Not sometimes, not every once in a while. God's plans always require trust. Always. Luke 1.31, you will conceive, the angel says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So what's rolling through Mary's mind. Here's, here's just my paraphrase. The angel is saying, hey Mary, you know the Messiah that's been prophesied about from the book of Genesis who's going to crush the head of Satan and deliver the world and deliver the Jewish people? Yeah, you're going to give birth to that Messiah. Okay. And his name's going to be Jesus and he's going to be the Savior of the world. No pressure. I mean, you can imagine what's running through this young woman's mind. Her emotions are up and down. And, oh, I'm honored. But wait a minute. What are people going to say about me? Because according to the law, if you, if you get pregnant outside of wedlock, it's, it's, a, it's punishable by death. Or I'm chosen. Oh, my gosh, I'm chosen. What an honor. Wait a minute. I need to tell Joseph. Imagine you're getting ready to marry someone, and, they, and, and, uh, and she comes to you, and she says, listen, we, we just need to have just, just, just a little talk. Just, I just need to chat with you about something. <laughs> just real quick. Um, go ahead and have a seat. Can I get you a cup of coffee or anything? Uh, first off, I love you. Hey, you are so wonderful. I just, did you make that table? Oh, it's such a beautiful table, Joseph. So beautiful. Um, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, don't worry. It's God's baby. (laughs) Don't worry, it's fine. I'm still a virgin. Okay? And then Joseph's like, well, now that you explained it, that's awesome. Okay, cool. No. It was not that way. 
When God changes our plans, even, even if we know it's better than our plans, it still requires incredible trust from us. Like, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. Lord, I had all these dreams and hopes, and but I trust you. I trust you. That's what Mary is doing here. But here's the deal for all of us, that God is intercepting our, our, our plans. And thank God he does. Is that you need to know something about this God who calls you his own, who loves you, who cares for you, who's committed to see you move forward in your life and to achieve what he's called you to achieve and to be what he's called you to be. You need to know something about this God that's spoken out of Isaiah 55. I just, I just want you to hear this today. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. In other words, the plans that you have, uh-uh. And my ways are far beyond, in other words, better than anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. In other words, what, what the prophet Isaiah is saying here, and, and God speaking to the prophet Isaiah, is just, just as though heaven is higher than the earth, just as though you're thinking on this level, God's thinking at this level. He's up here. My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And this is the beauty of this God. No matter what's happening, there's going to come a time where we're going to need to trust God that his ways are higher, that his plan is better, that his life is more powerful than the, than the one that we're living. That we have to trust in him because we can, we can make the plans and we all make the plans and it's, there's nothing wrong with making plans. But here's the key out of Proverbs 16. It says, as a man, man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Most people resist. We do the plan and we say, God, line up with my plan. But actually, if you will live a life surrendered to God, he will be able to direct your steps. And you'll be able to walk in what's higher, what's better. His thoughts are, are way more strategic than your thoughts. And so as he directs your steps, you can hold on to this promise, which we all have heard of it many, many times before. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And they're, they're, listen, if, you're, if, you, if you were to always act in, your, in, in our greatest or in your greatest self-interest, if you were to always act in your greatest self-interest, you would always obey God. We think that when we go our own way, we're the ones acting in our greatest self-interest. But actually, you're not. You think you are. But if you were to, if you were to always act in your greatest self-interest, you would always obey the word of God and the leading of the Lord. You always would. On any, you name any different thing. Yeah, but you know, Jason, I, you know, I, I but I'm in love with this person. And I know we haven't been married, but I'm in love with them. I'm going to marry them. I just, I just, I, I'm, you know, there's an attraction. We, I, I have needs and we're going to have sex. And you know, you know how it is, Jason. And, but here's the deal. You think it's going to make you feel loved. You think it's going to meet your needs, but it's not. It's, it never will. 
Because if you were to act in your greatest self-interest, you would always obey God. If that's you today, listen, just ask God for forgiveness and move on. No matter what it is, no matter what your compulsion and your desire is that you think, I need this in my life, if it does not line up with the word of God, it will not serve you. And you will end up in worse case than God's best case. God's plans are rarely our plans, and God's plans always require trust. And the last one is this. God's plans often seem impossible. God's plans often seem impossible. After the angel says this to Mary, we pick up the story in verse 34. Mary asks, how can this happen? How is this going to happen? You can, I'm going to conceive. I'm going to give birth. How is this going to happen? And she says it, because I am a virgin. Uh, not going to happen. You, you, do you know what she's saying here? She's saying this, that is impossible. Totally impossible. And in the mind of Mary, what the angel just said made no sense at all. It was ridiculous. If you're going to follow Jesus, I guarantee you, he's going to ask you to do something that's going to seem ridiculous. I can guarantee it. Yes, but Jason, God always lines up with wisdom. Okay, tell me how this is wisdom. Tell, tell me how conceiving a child when someone's not married yet is wisdom. It's been a lot easier just to speak to them, for them to get married, and then God appear on, on, uh, at their wedding and say, listen, I'm going to do this. It would just make a lot more sense. A lot more, you don't have to deal with people's opinion. Everything would have worked out, felt like it worked out better, but God, God is not concerned about what makes sense to you. He's concerned about being glorified in our lives. You might say, Jason, God's going to ask you to do something that's impossible. I guarantee it. You're going to say, well, God wants me to forgive somebody after they betrayed and broken my heart? No, no, no. It's impossible. But God, you know, God, I, I don't believe you can heal my marriage after what's happened, after all the damage that's been done. God, I, I, you want me to, to, to give financially? When I'm just trying to, to survive, I, that doesn't make any sense. And your word said that if I do it, then you're going to pour out more on me? That makes no sense to me. God, how can you reconcile my relationship with, with my children, my in-laws? There's too much hurt. Too many words said. God, how can you take my life and do something with it? Too many mistakes. Too much stuff. Too many things in my closet. It's impossible. This is what we see in Mary. Time out, time out, angel Gabriel. Uh Uh-uh. How can this happen? It is impossible. There's no way. And the angel was like, you're right. There is no way. Mary, you can't do it. You, you can't do it. Everyone in this room, whatever God's asking you to do, you can't do it. The angel says this, this is how you're going to do it, and this is how you're going to do it as well. Let's look at the angel's response, verse 35. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, you're going to do something that is not by your might, not by your power, but what I'm going to do, what God's going to do through your life is through the Spirit and the Spirit. And the Spirit alone. And that's what we have to believe and hold on to today in our lives. No matter what God's asking you to do, it's he's not asking you to do it on your own might. He's asking you to do it by his Spirit and to do something that you can't do on your own power. And then he says this, I get it. I get it, Mary. Verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. Do we believe this? 
Nothing is impossible with God. No matter what obstacle you're facing, my friends, no matter what you're dealing with in your life, no matter what internal battle, bondage, addiction that people know of or don't know about, no matter what you're, what you're going through, no matter what the mental anguish, no matter what fears you're wrestling with, nothing is impossible with God. We serve a God all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is ever-present. Listen, nobody has ever pushed his nose into the dirt and taught him what the meaning of defeat is. That's never happened to our God. He's a reigning king and champion, and he's your God, and he's my God. <clears throat> Many of us, we're, we're on different journeys in this room. God has led you in different places. All of us are on a journey, though. But at some point, we're going to have to trust God. At some point, we're going to have to surrender. At some point, we're going to have to follow his leading. And so here's the question. What is God asking you to believe him for? What is God asking you today that just as he spoke to Mary, said, listen, Mary, I, I, this is what God has for you. What is God saying to you? This is what I have for you. What is he asking you to believe him for? I want to take just a second. I want you to think about that. What is God asking you? What is God showing you right now that it's time you deal with in your life? What is the step of faith that you've never taken? You've never even asked God about it because you don't want to hear his answer. What is it that that you're wrestling with right now? And you might be thinking, but Jason, it's too hard. You're right. You can't do it your own power. So stop trying. It is not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. God's grace is so powerful and beautiful. He doesn't ask you to do something based on what you're capable of doing. He asks you to do things based on what He's capable of doing. And since nothing is impossible with God, then anything is possible in your life. And that's what you need to know. You need to hear that today. To step out from fear into the realm of faith. To start believing, not the worst case scenario, but believe the best case scenario. Believe in the goodness of a God who loves you. And here's Mary. She is challenged deeply to her core. Her head's spinning. She's thinking, how can all this happen? The angel says, don't worry. Nothing is impossible with God. And you might be feeling that right now. Like, but you know, yeah, but if God's asking me to do this, maybe he's asking me to forgive. He's maybe asking me to work on some things in my life, asking me to give up some habits, asking me to, to sow financially in a way I've never done before. Uh, it, it, you, you know what that is. I, I don't know. Holy Spirit is, is, is here today. He's inviting you to the journey, to the adventure. What does it mean to walk by faith? What does it mean? Not to be controlled by fear, but to live and walk by faith. So how do we respond? Like in this moment, what God's speaking to you. Mary shows us how we respond. She says this to get to to the angel Gabriel, she says this, I am the Lord's servant. 
She didn't say this fully confident. She was deeply troubled. She didn't say this of, oh, I know how all this is going to work out. This is a statement of surrender from the heart of a precious young woman who says, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do because my life doesn't belong to me anyway. I am the Lord's servant. She had to be thinking, what's my mom going to think? What's my family going to think? What's my community going to think? What's Joseph going to think? I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me about me come true. In other words, I submit to your plans, no matter what the cost, no matter what what it's going to do in my life, I submit to your plans. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.